Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to the newest episode of Going Long Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Neal. The chaotic nature of the Pac-12 and the college football world as a whole has continued over the past week since we last talked. And once again, there is a ton to get to. Conference realignment, the Big 12, Four Corner Schools, Oregon, Washington, the Big 10, Apple TV, Oregon Media Day, Dan Lanning versus Deion Sanders, Achilles Smith Jr., Oregon practice, and a whole lot more that we need to get to in this episode. Thank you for tuning in. Let's get into it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the countdown to the start of the season has officially begun. Oregon started their fall camp with the first practice on Wednesday afternoon. We talked to Dan Lanning and the coordinators after practice on Wednesday and Thursday, as well as uh, about 40 of the Oregon players on media day on Monday. So it is safe to say that football is officially back at this point. The most pressing story, however, is taking place off of the field. Let's start talking about some conference realignment because... That is what, uh, you know, everyone in college football is talking about right now. That's what, you know, it's not often that you flip on ESPN on some, you know, random afternoon in the weekday and college football is the topic. But, you know, that's how it's been this week because between the Pac-12, you know, the Big 12, Big 10, college football is the, the talk of the town with where some teams are going, where rumors are, you know, have some teams going. So let's go ahead and crack into this topic. Um, you know, the talks picked up steam last week. We talked on last week's episode that Colorado off to the big 12, um, you know, that wasn't completely unexpected, but, uh, they, they lost patience and didn't want to hold out for the, uh, the PAC 12 media deal to be presented to them. So they up and left, which kind of got the ball rolling. Um, you know, this week, the news cycle picked up some steam when on Tuesday morning, PAC 12 commissioner, George Klyavkov presented the new media deal to the PAC 12. You know, after after waiting for, you know, almost a year, several, several months now for, for the Pac-12 to get, you know, an actual media deal in hand and presented to uh, these conference presidents, the athletic directors to kind of figure out where this, this conference is going forward. Um, we finally had some numbers in hand, not publicly. Those numbers have not been officially reported, but um, based on some rumors and reports, we have a good idea of what they are. Um Again, so nothing official. These are just rumors, but it's said that the the deal that Klyavkov presented to everyone was uh, via Apple TV, um, so not a linear TV service, but rather a, tre- a streaming platform, which would be the first in college football. Um, which I think you know a lot of commissioners, a lot of Pac-12 presidents are not fully on board with because it's it's new, it's different. They it's maybe got a lot of upside, but there's a lot of risk involved as well. It is reported that the deal would be worth around $24 million per team on the high side, um, which is, is short of the Big 12 goal of 31 point, I think $31.6 million that they're getting per team per year, which the Pac-12 obviously wanted to meet or exceed. And all of this is based on the fact that Apple TV needs to hit subscription goals each year um, for, for you know the high side of this deal to work out with with the Pac-12. So 
Um, like I said, there's a lot of risk baked in. There's a lot of upside too, because, you know, 10 years from now, it may be that all of this is streaming and there are no real linear partners anymore. And the Pac-12 could be way out ahead on this. Um, but at this point, it's way too early to say that. And there's still, there's so much risk involved here with a, a fledgling conference that, you know, I understand that some of these Pac-12 presidents may, bu- may not be completely bought in to the idea of, you know, throwing their hat all in on streaming and trying to be at the forefront of this because there's just, there's so much risk and there's such a big downside that even if it does pay off, you know, I, I think it's going to be a little bit of a rocky road to start um, until you start seeing some of those dividends pay off. So like I said, the uh, the presidents left that meeting on Tuesday and the, you know, the feeling is that most of them were not impressed. Um, there's a sense that this is kind of a, a similar deal to what the Pac-12 had under Larry Scott early on when there was projection that, um, you know, the deal would be a lot higher if Pac-12 network subscriptions were popular. Um, that didn't end up working out too well, as everyone that, you know, watches college football or is a fan of the Pac-12 knows. The Pac-12 network has kind of been um, a bit lackluster, I should say, and a bit of a frustrating watch over the past few years. So um, it doesn't come as a major surprise that uh, there's a little bit of hesitancy among the presidents. Um, everybody from what it sounds like left that Tuesday meeting and they, they plan to reconvene and vote at some point in a later meeting, whether that's later this week, early next week. But instead of that, it looks like teams started to, uh, go their separate ways and finalize their escape plans. Um, again, nothing is official. Nothing has happened with other teams since Colorado left, but, uh, based on the rumor mill and and numerous reports, everyone's kind of getting their ducks in a row, no pun intended, and, and seeing what else they can do and where else they might be able to land. So let's start by talking about the four corner schools. Um, if you're unaware, the four corner schools are Colorado, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah. Obviously, Colorado are jump ship to the Big 12. So the remaining four corner schools, uh, Arizona, Arizona State, and Utah, they're still in the Pac-12 right now, but those are viewed as the next domino um, that will likely fall in all of this, with Arizona kind, kind of being you know, at the forefront of that trio. Um, there's, there's the feeling that they are going to be the next ones that make a move in this whole saga that's been going on for uh, a week, months, over a year now since USC and UCLA jumped ship a year ago, so... Um, There are many reports that a deal to the Big 12 for those three schools could be voted on and approved on Thursday night. I know that the Arizona schools have a a Board of Regents meeting scheduled for Thursday night where they will probably discuss this and potentially vote. And then an announcement could come out as soon as Friday. So I'm recording this on Thursday morning. It will probably be posted Thursday afternoon or Friday morning as soon as I get it edited. But By the time you're listening, this could be old news. I mean, Arizona, Arizona State, Utah could be part of the Big 12, and we could be talking about what's next. So if the Big 12 takes those teams, it would take them to 16 teams. Right now, they're 13 with Colorado. Add three more, you get up to 16. So that then leads to the next big domino that would fall. And that's Oregon and arguably Washington if you you group them in there. But it feels like Oregon is really the the main piece of this puzzle when it comes to the Big 12. The big news came out on Tuesday that shows that the Big 10 is once again considering further expansion with eyes on Oregon and Washington. 
Um, they also mentioned that they're potentially looking at Stanford and Cal as well. If they want to just say, you know, screw it and be the first team, first conference to go to, to 20 teams rather than 18 teams. There are 16 right now after adding USC and UCLA a year ago. You know, this is really major news because through all of this, you know, Oregon fans and a lot of people speculating that the Big Ten is where they're going to end up, where Oregon and Washington are going to end up. That was all, you know, conjecture because no matter what any fans that wanted that to happen said, the Big Ten was steadfast in the idea that they are not looking to expand right now. They're focused on USC and UCLA, and those are their the most recent expansions, and they want to get them assimilated into the league um, as smoothly as possible and give all of their focus on on those two rather than trying to get more West Coast teams out there. That changed on Tuesday with the the news, you know, leaked, reported from the Big Ten that said, you know, we're, you know, we're at least looking at what it would take to get Oregon, um, to get Washington. We already vetted these schools a year ago, so we're just kind of looking at the financials, seeing if this works for everyone. Um, by no means is anything set in stone. By no means has anything been re- reported yet or is official, but, you know, the ball is certainly rolling towards that that being the case where Oregon and Washington go to the Big Ten. Um, this is the first domino to fall in that, you know, in what I feel like is a very likely scenario. What's really interesting is that the Big Ten, there's this sense based on how they've played their cards and kind of what what's being reported that they don't want to be viewed as the Pac-12 killers in all of this. Um, so they are kind of waiting on the Big 12 to take the rest of the four corner schools. Um, they're waiting on Arizona, Arizona State, Utah to make a decision. Um, there's also reporting that those three schools are kind of waiting on Oregon and Washington to see what they're going to do. Everyone everyone sees the final outcome here where everyone jumps and the Pac-12 ultimately crumbles. But no one wants to take that first move. No one wants to take that first, that next step to give the, you know, the start of the final death blow to the Pac-12 in the Big Ten's case. This is kind of ironic because, you know, the Big Ten actually started all of this about a year ago with the heist of USC and UCLA. So it's a little bit interesting that they're saying that they don't want to be the the Pac-12 killers when honestly they're the ones that that gave the first blow a year ago and and took away two of the biggest markets in the conference. So um, I don't know. It, it's a bunch of people wanting to, you know, there's a little bit of collegiality still left in college sports, which is nice, but um, that only matters when you're saying something, but you're doing something completely else behind the scenes. So I don't really know what to make of that. What's been really interesting in all of this Big Ten news is there's this sort of USC wrinkle that's going on right now. Um, you know, we talked about USC being one of those first teams to to leave the Pac-12 and, and kind of start the downfall of the conference. But um, it's been interesting to see how they're, I guess, being treated and being talked about in this whole, you know, Oregon and Washington to the Big Ten storyline that's been taking place over the past couple of weeks, or excuse me, past couple of days. There's a really great column by Brady McCullough on the LA Times right now about how the Trojans may not be happy at all if Oregon ends up coming to the Big Ten. Um, one of the primary objectives in the past year in the, the move that USC made from the Pac-12 to the Big Ten was, in fact, to get away from Oregon and to leave the Ducks behind in the dying Pac-12. This really is is mostly because of recruiting. It's not because you know USC has any any worries or qualms about playing Oregon on the field, but 
Oregon is the biggest threat to USC in recruiting because Oregon is the only other Pac-12 school that really is able to raid that Los Angeles market and that Los Angeles domain and get some of the best players out there. So USC kind of believed that if they could negatively recruit against Oregon and say, hey, you you don't want to go play for the Ducks. They're staying in a, a dying Pac-12. They've got no options. They're, they're really not playing at the most elite level like we are in the Big Ten. That would have really worked for the Trojans uh, as far as the recruiting cycle and the recruiting trail goes. Um, but now if Oregon comes with them to the Big Ten, they lose that advantage over the Ducks. They lose that recruiting advantage over the Ducks. So the goal was to be the only team in the Big Ten with a massive recruiting base on the West Coast um, to kind of get back to that recruiting dominance that USC had under um, – under Pete Carroll, you know, earlier in the decade where they really, if there was a good player in Los Angeles or in the California area, he was going to USC. It was just a given Uh, since that all changed under, I guess you would say Clay Helton and just the past decade of USC sports, Oregon's taken over as someone that can really uh, contend for these players and really get some of them out of USC's backyard. So um, that's, it's been a really interesting thing to follow in all of this. I want to read this quote from the LA Times column. It says, quote, USC was enthralled by the Big Ten opportunity for many reasons, the money and the exposure, mostly. But Oregon being stuck behind in the Pac-12 would be an undeniable advantage to the Trojans as they tried to ascend back to the prominence under Lincoln Riley. The Big Ten move was supposed to clearly reestablish USC as a top program on the West Coast. So you may say that, you know, if USC and UCLA members of the Big Ten now are not a fan of Oregon and they don't want Oregon and Washington to come along, they might be able to stop it, right? Well, technically not. They are not voting members just yet of the Big Ten. So I'm not sure when that, you know, when they do eventually become voting members. I don't know if it's next year when they're actually playing in a conference and not just future members of the conference. But uh, whenever that is, they are unable to block the expansion right now with votes. So it will be a little bit interesting to see, you know, how USC in particular are catered to through all of this because they are the hot new brand. They're one of the biggest brands in the nation, and they're the the new toy in the Big Ten. Um, but the Big Ten may be getting other new toys as well. Um, when you hear all this, I think you have to love it as an Oregon fan. It's, it, I don't know, it's kind of funny, honestly. Uh, you know, Oregon and USC have this off-field rivalry. They, you know, they've they've long been competing to be the biggest brand out west, and it's clear that the Trojans, you know, in a sense, tried to run to higher ground by going to the Big Ten. They tried to get the upper hand. Um, just, I mean, it was that's no no fault against them. It was a great move. They're they're definitely better off in the Big Ten. But I feel like Oregon may be getting extended a life raft uh, by the Big Ten if they end up going there and leaving the Pac-12. Which definitely, you know, if I was a USC fan, I'd be frustrated about it as well. Let's talk a little bit about Oregon Media Day and specifically about this Dan Lanning versus uh, Deion Sanders slash Colorado Buffaloes. A little bit of beef that was stirred up on Monday. Um, as you know, Oregon's Media Day was earlier this week. We talked to over 40, 40 players about the upcoming season, changes in the offseason. You know, some guys bulked up, some guys slimmed down some guys changed positions you got new coaches new uh 
a new coordinator on offense. Just a, a lot of changes for the Ducks with over, uh, I believe it's over 50 new players between transfers and recruits this year. So um, the roster looks a lot different than it did a year ago. So there's a lot to talk about. Um, you know, some small things to note. Uh, wide receiver Tez Johnson bulked up a little bit. Uh, offensive lineman Junior Angelau, uh, he's we were talking to him about his insane weightlifting stats. Um, he's, you know, I'm going to have a Ducks, uh, story on Duckswire later this week about this, but his goal is to to break the combine record, the NFL combine record for bench press. He says, so we asked him uh, how much he's, he's bench pressing right now, just on an average day. And his answer was just 500 pounds. Um, so it's, you know, that's, that's something to talk about definitely. Cause this guy is a freak of nature, probably one of the strongest guys I've ever seen. But really, the biggest story to come out of the day was Dan Lanning's remark about Colorado leaving for the Big 12. Um, you know, he was asked about what his reaction was when when he heard the news that Colorado was leaving, and he had this to say. Not a big reaction. I mean, I'm trying to remember when, what they won to affect this conference. I don't remember. Do you remember them winning anything? I don't remember them winning anything. Shots fired, huh? It's funny that Colorado leaving might have ultimately been, uh, you know, the first in a long line of things that ultimately leads to the death of the Pac-12. I know obviously USC and UCLA leaving had a bigger impact a year ago, but um, it felt like things were a little bit stable until a week ago when Colorado kind of set things off again and got impatient waiting for the media deal. But um, in a vacuum, it's it's really, all due respect, not a not a big loss at all. The Buffs were among the worst teams in the nation over the last decade. They really didn't win much of anything in the Pac-12. They made it to one Pac-12 championship game. Uh, it's just unfortunate that the Pac-12 was already so weak and that this was as impactful as it was when Colorado left because, um, you know, you you look at such a historic and storied conference and you would like to say that, yeah, the, the final nail in the coffin was when you know, Oregon left or when Washington left and one of the the bigger schools, but no, it's, it's Colorado, the school that really didn't win anything when they were in this conference. I know they've got a long, a long legacy and they've, they've won a lot in the past. They've, they've got a national championship under the belt, but um, strictly speaking of when they were in the conference, they really were the worst team in the league from start to finish. And it's just funny that when they decided to leave, that's when kind of everything else came crumbling down. All right, we'll end with this. I want to talk about Achilles Smith Jr. Um, Oregon picked up a massive commitment on Monday. Four-star quarterback Achilles Smith Jr. committed to the Ducks. He is a quarterback in the class of 2025. ESPN actually has him ranked as the number one quarterback in the class. Uh, 247 Sports has him ranked as the number five quarterback. He's a top 100 player on all recruiting sites. Um, obviously if that name sounds familiar to you, it should as an Oregon fan, he's a son of Achilles Smith, a former Oregon quarterback who was the PAC 10 player of the year in 1998, went on to be the number three overall draft pick in 1999. Um, so yeah, this is, this is definitely big, especially so early in the cycle to get your quarterback. Oregon got four-star Michael Van Buren, three-star Luke Moga earlier in this cycle, just earlier in this summer. And now later in the summer, they've already got their 2025 quarterback. So it feels like, uh, you know, it, they got a really good jump start on this 2025 class, which at the moment ranks number three in the nation. I know it's still incredibly early. You don't have, I think, uh, the most commits in the class right now is Georgia with five, uh, maybe Alabama with six, something like that. But um, Oregon has four commitments in 2025. It's great. 
one of the biggest things about Achilles Smith as well is that he doesn't feel like someone who's going to be reconsidering because of his legacy ties to Oregon, because, you know, he grew up watching the ducks. He's got such a close tie with Oregon. Uh, His dad's still close with the program. It feels like he's someone that you're not, you're not really going to have to worry too much about flipping down the road. I know there's still going to be other teams that, excuse me, some other teams that definitely recruit him heavily. I'm going to try and get him away from Oregon, but I don't know. There's, there's something about just that tie with Oregon that I feel like it'd be, it'd be pretty hard for someone to get him away from Eugene down the future. Um, And the fact that he committed so early, I I think that he just, he knows where he wants to go and he's, he's just going to try and recruit to Oregon uh, other players in the class as well going forward. So I think this is a incredible, incredible development for the ducks and just a, a really good outlook for the future. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you for tuning in and following along with the latest news. I also wanted to give a big thank you to all the listeners who are regular Duxwire readers as well. We've seen record numbers over the past couple of months with all the expansion news and recruiting news, which you know was pretty amazing considering that it was the off season and June and July are typically the slowest months of the year. But um, for all of you fans out there who go to Duxwire for your Oregon news, I just want to say that I appreciate you to no end. I I absolutely love my job, and I couldn't think of anything else in the world that I'd rather be doing right now. So thank you from the bottom of my heart for, for allowing me to, to do what I do and following along with all of my reporting. It's It does not go unappreciated, and um, I just want to know that you are all valued, and, and it's just a, a really big deal for me. So thank you. Like I said, Oregon is practicing again. Um, we are not allowed into – we don't have media access for the first, I think, week or two. I'm not sure when our media access uh, opens up. So I don't have too much to report on for that. We have interviews with coaches and players throughout the week. Um, in a few hours, we'll talk to defensive coordinator Tosh Lapoy, offensive coordinator Will Stein. So, um, you know, this I'm recording this before that happens, but that will happen on Thursday evening. So – uh, go to duckswire.usatoday.com if you want to see any of that stuff. Um, I will be on for another episode next week. We will see what the landscape looks like then and what conference Oregon is actually playing in or slotted to play in in the 2024 season. A lot could happen over the next couple of days for sure, so be ready. Uh, thank you guys for listening and following along. Again, if you want to check out more of my work, you can find it at duckswire.usatoday.com. Follow me at Zachary C. Neal on Twitter. We'll talk to you guys next week. Until then, take it easy.